Hello and welcome back to the Northwestern Undergraduate Law Journal Summer Speaker Series. My name is Jamie and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the journal and in this episode I speak with Anna Ivey of Ivey Consulting. In the episode we talk about COVID and how it affects law school admissions, common mistakes, and Ivy Consulting. We ran into a bit of audio difficulties, but the episode is definitely worth listening to if you're planning on applying to law school. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Northwestern Undergraduate Law Journal Speaker Series. Hello, and welcome to the Northwestern Undergraduate Law Journal. My name is Jamie, and I'm the editor-in-chief of the journal. In this episode, I'm speaking with Anna Ivey, the founder of Ivy Consulting. She's a former University of Chicago Dean of Admissions and the author of Ivy Guide to Law School Admissions. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing great. I wanted to jump right in um, and start at the beginning, which would be constructing the application and getting ready to apply to law school. In your experience, what are the common mistakes that people usually make in their application? <laughs> um, I think on a macro level, it's not knowing what you want to say. Um, and so you sort of think of the different pieces of the application as sort of each one is in a vacuum and you kind of knock them out on a to-do list without thinking how they all need to fit together mm -hmm. and without thinking about what your overall positioning is or what the overall story is that you're trying to tell and then making sure that you tell it coherently. Um, and then the application itself is made up of these different components. They often have length limitations. And so you also have to figure out, okay, if there are three or five different things about myself that I really want to emphasize, where's the best place to do that? And maybe this particular thing is better shown off in the resume, and then that frees up the essay to talk about something else. So you have to be a bit strategic about how the different parts fit together. But fundamentally, the, the most common problem I encounter is when you say to someone, why are you applying to law school? Why are you doing this? Why are you here at knocking on their door saying, I want to invest all this blood, sweat, and tears and money and time <laughs> into getting my JD at your school? It, a natural question is, okay, why? And very often, people don't have a good answer to that. Right. And so if that's the case for you, that doesn't mean you can't be a good applicant. You're just not a great applicant now. And you have to go off and do some soul searching and maybe some research and figure out why you're doing this. Because if you don't know, nobody else is going to tell you why you want to go to law school. Um, and so that really has to, there has to be some fire in your belly and you have to have some vision for your career and what kinds of problems you want to solve. And Hello. So I've reframed the question as what problems do you want to solve? And for some reason, that gets people to open up more and to think a bit more broadly and a bit more creatively. So maybe think about it that way. Interesting. Um, so like, um, when is this for when you're writing it, but also for yourself and when you're applying to law school, just like thinking in terms of what can I do with a law degree? Well, yeah, yeah. So, so what do you want to do with your law degree? If you're going to law school to just find yourself and figure it all out, I would say that's not a really good plan. 
<laughs> you should have some plan and that doesn't mean you have to be down in the weeds um, and it doesn't mean that you have to be laser focused on one thing. Maybe you're really interested in seven different things and you want to explore them and that's completely fine too, but you have to have some idea of why you're doing this. Um, and so, for example, if you're mainly applying to law school because the job market sucks and your parents are on your back and, oh, look, here's a shiny degree that I can do without having to do a set curriculum like, <laughs> like a medical school or I can apply without having to have work experience like an MBA, so I'll just apply to law school. Uh, there are a lot of those applicants out there and, and they don't make for very compelling applications. So most of our listeners are undergraduates, many upcoming seniors, but also some juniors and some sophomores. What advice do you usually give people on um, taking time to work first um, versus going straight into law school? Uh, I think everyone should go work first before going to law school. I think it'll make you a better law student and I think it'll make you a better lawyer. Um, if your numbers are high enough, schools might want you just for your numbers and it won't matter if you can't, you know, tie your own shoelaces. But I think having some experience out in the real world outside of school is very valuable and increasingly the top schools are populating their law school classes with people who do have work experience after college. Not everybody, um, but that's definitely the trend. And the, the other thing to think about um, is just very concretely how the timeline works. If you're going to go to law school right after college, that means you're applying in the fall of your senior year. Um, which means they may or may not actually get to see your record from senior year. So unless your record is already really, really strong and it's not going to get any stronger senior year in terms of accomplishments or senior theses or recommendations you can get, I would say have the benefit of your whole senior year when it comes time to apply, which means you're not going straight through, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think there are a number of reasons not to go straight through. Very often I find that um, that's driven by parents. Um, but I think there's also a sense that, well, law school is just kind of this safe thing for me to do, and I can just go do more school, and I know how to do school. I've been doing it my whole life, and so this is just more of what I already know, and it feels comfortable, and it feels familiar, um, even though law school is actually very different from undergrad in a way that blindsides some people, but um, I understand the temptation to go through. I did it myself, and I'm, I'm a cautionary tale. You know, knowing what I know now, I don't think that was a good idea, but um, I don't look down my nose at people who do because <laughs> I, I know exactly how people end up doing that. Right. No, I, from semi-personal experience, uh, my mom went to law school and she said the people who took time off added so much more to the classroom yeah. than um, other students. So it's definitely something that I've heard a lot of students ask about and a lot of my friends and I talk about. It's like, applying now and um, like you said, safety or going through. So it's nice to kind of get more perspective on that. Um, I kind of want to shift to what the law schools are looking for. So um, as a former Dean of Admissions, what makes an applicant stand out? Yeah, um, I wish I could give you sort of a hard and fast answer to that. But in reality, it's just 
not formulaic. Um, and when they throw around the H word holistic, they actually mean it. They actually do look at everything that you submit to them and they try to evaluate everything in the context of the whole. That's especially important in the context of essays. So um, if you're getting feedback from other people on your essay, you have to understand that admissions officers are never gonna read your essay in a vacuum. Um, and so treating the essay as this standalone thing is not how it's gonna operate out in, in the wild, <laughs> in the admissions process. So, um, you know, it's, it's really important to think about the application as a whole. And for every person, how to stand out is going to be different because nobody has sort of the same qualities and life experiences and assets, you know, to bring to the table um, or challenges. <laughs> Those come up sometimes too. Um, and so I think the key is to figure out for your own balance sheet, whatever your assets are, whatever your liabilities are, for your personal balance sheet, how do you communicate that most effectively in that application as a whole and the tricky thing is because you can't you don't have unlimited room to talk about yourself in your application um, the tricky thing is that you want to figure out okay these are the most essential things for me to get across and i want to make sure that i get them across somewhere in the application so of the different pieces in the application where's the best place to feature this thing or that thing so you want to make sure that you accomplish that whole set at the same time, you don't want to make sure you want to make sure there's no overlap either, because if you're using different pieces of the application redundantly, you're mm -hmm. totally wasting this very precious space they give you, which is woefully finite. Um, and I see people often approaching applications in this redundant way. And there's this assumption that more is more, you know, like, well, if I have more to say, or I can say it again, or I can say it a little bit differently, then that's a good thing. And I would say actually the opposite is true in admissions. Less is more, figure out what you want to say, say it once, say it well, and then stop. Um, because if you send them, say, a personal statement, and then also a diversity statement that more or less says the same thing, then honestly, you're just trying the admissions officer's patience. Um, so keep that in mind too. They're reading thousands and thousands of these. So if you're taking the more is more approach, that is not going to work out well for you because they've got so many of these to go through. And so anything that you give them, especially if it's not required, anything that you give them should really add something above and beyond what you've already showcased elsewhere in the application. That's so important. And that's something I see people, um, misunderstand all the time. Interesting. I've never heard that before, so that's really great to know. Um, another thing is because of COVID, there's mm -hmm. probably less ways to interact with these law schools you can't visit. How can students get a sense of the law schools that they're applying to? You know, that's so hard, and it was hard even before COVID because this whole ritual of going to visit schools assumes that you can afford to do that. And not everyone can, not everyone has the budget to do that, not everyone has the time to do that. Um, and so that was always sort of a flawed model to begin with. And it's funny because the admissions officers all expect you to know how to stand out as an applicant in this whole sea of applications. Well, what I don't think they fully appreciate is that if you just go to their websites, they kind of all sound the same. 
they don't stand out at all. <laughs> right. So you go to one website and, you know, they make a big deal about how interdisciplinary they are. Yeah, so is every top law school. <laughs> you know, that's not how you distinguish yourself. And so they actually do a very poor job, in my opinion, helping you guys understand um, what some of those differences are. And you have to understand in terms of the education you get, you're going to get a great education at any of these law schools, assuming they're accredited and have decent bar passage rates. Um, you're going to have amazing faculty, you're going to learn a great curriculum. And so one of the reasons it really helps to understand why you're going there in the first place is so that you know what you want to take advantage of when you get there because there are going to be so many different things to study there are going to be so many different activities every day there are going to be multiple speakers you know whether it's real life or zoom and so it's you're going to be drinking out of a fire hose so if you don't have some sense of of the opportunities that are right there in front of you. So it's really all connected, you know, and so if you can hit that ground running from day one and have some sense of how you want to take advantage of these amazing resources, so much the better for you. I mean, you're spending all this time and money, you know, you should get the most out of it that you possibly can, but that assumes that you know why you're there, right? So I sort of keep coming back to that. Um, I have me I've meandered a bit from your original question. I'm trying to remember what the original question. Oh yeah, how <laughs> how to distinguish between the different law schools. So if you have a sense of why you're going, then you can really dig in. And even if you can't visit, you can go to the websites and see, okay, are there clinics that do this kind of work? Are there journals that specialize in this particular thing? Um, are there professors whose work I find really interesting? Um, now you should understand though that some of that stuff is sort of marketing on the side of the schools. So just because a school has a clinic, quote unquote, doesn't mean a clinic actually does anything. Doesn't mean, you know, clinic might just have some letterhead, you know, and a website. Um, <laughs> so you really owe it to yourself to dig in and see, okay, what is it they're actually doing, right? Um, and even if a school has a concentration or some kind of certificate, that doesn't mean that you can't get the exact same wonderful education in that particular area at another school that doesn't have a certificate or doesn't have a specialized track. In my opinion, that's marketing as well. So if a school says, oh, we're great at corporate law and you get the certificate at the end, great. You know, I'm not, that's fantastic if you want to do corporate law, but that certificate is marketing. And if you want that corporate law education, you can almost certainly get it somewhere else too, even if there's no certificate at the end. Um, because during 2L and 3L, you can construct your classes however you want. The first year is mandated by the ABA, so you have very little flexibility, and that curriculum is going to look mostly the same at any of these ABA-approved law schools. But 2L and 3L, that's completely up to you how you want to construct the classes for those two years. Um, so again, if you go in with some kind of plan, and plans can change, you know, and they probably will. Um, if you had told me before I went to law school that I would end up taking four classes in tax law, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I just, that would have been inconceivable to me. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, I took my first sort of foundational tax law class and I realized just how interesting it was and almost 
existential. And I know that sounds really ridiculous, but it's actually intellectually a really interesting class, you know, and then I just piled on more tax law classes. So that's okay. You can leave yourself room to adjust along the way. Um, but if you just kind of go in there and throw spaghetti at the wall and, you know, I, I just don't think you're, I think you would look back on it and maybe wish you had been a bit more um, thoughtful about how you're going to use that time because mm -hmm. Three years is going to fly by in law school. It goes by very quickly. Right. Um, so then um, you touched on this earlier, but COVID. So how are we expecting this virus to affect COVID um, from an application standpoint and also from the law school looking at your application? Yeah, I, I actually don't think it changes the process at all, really, in terms of the evaluation or what kinds of things they value there are gonna be some holes in the record, right? Um, so for example, if your whole school went to pass fail for a semester, you know, you're just not gonna have grades for that semester, so be it, but they've got plenty of other semesters to look at, right? Maybe Hello? Sorry, did, did we lose each other? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. So, so there are going to be some holes in the record just because there's certain things you weren't able to do when the pandemic first struck, but that's pretty much true for everybody applying to law school. Yeah. And I would say, unless there were some really unusual circumstances compared to plenty of other people, I would say you don't really even need to address it in your application. Because um, I can promise you what admissions officers don't want to do is read thousands of COVID essays. I can imagine that getting boring after. That would get old really quickly. <laughs> that would get old quickly. And, and I would say too, you know, if you do want to talk about your COVID circumstances, I would say keep it just factual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because of COVID, we went to pass fail or I had to stop this activity and just you know, keep it short and sweet and don't, don't over dramatize it because there are people out there who are dealing with genuinely difficult circumstances right now. Um, and yours are just going to look kind of lame in comparison if, if you make a big deal about it. Right. That definitely makes sense. Um, so then, um, so if, so a student's applying this year, um, and they want admissions consulting, what, mm -hmm. What does that process look like of working with an admissions consultant? Um, yeah, well, you know, there are a lot of consultants out there and they have different models. So I don't want to try to speak for all of them. Um, but I think what you want to figure out in advance is, do you want help with some sort of narrow thing, a specific thing, or are you looking for more comprehensive help throughout the whole process? I kind of half joke, but half not jokingly say that, there are some days where I'm the anti-admissions consultant because I never assume when I first start talking to someone that, yes, you should be going to law school. This is a fantastic idea. Let's move mountains and, you know, you should make tons of sacrifices, you know, to do that. Because sometimes that's not what it looks like from where I'm sitting. And, and sometimes um, I get emails from people that I've talked to years ago and they write me these wonderful emails that say, thank you so much for talking me out of law school. I went off and did X, Y, Z and it's perfect for me. And so, um, you know, you, as with the law school project in and of itself, you know, if you're going to hire a 
consultant, have some idea of what you're actually looking to get out of it. Um, and then again, keep in mind, even if you think, oh, I only want help with the essay, um, understand that that essay really, again, it does not get read in a vacuum. It has to fit into the whole application and into your whole story. Um, so make sure that you're approaching the application holistically as well and not treating different components as standalones because no admissions officer is going to read any part of your application in a vacuum. Um, but I would say aside from just sort of some of the nuts and bolts of the applications themselves, um, you can think about how much sort of quote unquote life advice or career advice you want. You know, maybe a person went to law school herself, maybe she didn't. Maybe she has ex admissions experience, maybe she didn't. You know, if you just want someone to kind of proofread your grammar and fix your spelling, you know, you don't really need to hire a consultant for that. There are much cheaper options, right? Um, so again, know what you want out of it. And then, you know, there's some, some really good people out there. Uh, there's some not good people out there too. I mean, it's a totally unregulated industry, right? Um, and I personally care a lot about the ethical values in the process. I mean, having come from the admissions world myself, um, I would never do anything that would compromise the integrity of the admissions process. And sometimes if I'm working with an applicant who I think is compromising the integrity of the admissions process, I cut them loose. Um, I don't wanna be associated with that. Um, so, you know, you wanna be working with someone who also, um, is in sync with your own values because ultimately you want to be submitting an application that is yours. It's going to have your name on it and it's going to be your voice and it's going to be your work. Uh, and you should be proud of what you submit. It shouldn't be somebody else's, uh, somebody else's work, certainly. The other thing I would guard against, and I think this happens sometimes just sort of slowly uh, without maybe people noticing, is you start getting input or feedback from lots and lots of people. Mm -hmm. And the more people you ask for feedback, the more conflicting advice you're gonna get. And if then you try to make all those people happy, you're gonna end up with this dog's breakfast of an application. The worst thing you can do is have an application done by committee. Right. Don't, don't do that. And if you are gonna ask someone's advice, think about the source of their authority. You know, if they give you certain feedback, is it even valuable? You know, what's it based on? Um, so you have, one of the things you have to do in, in law school and as a lawyer is you have to learn how to sort of rank different sources of authority mm -hmm. when you're citing a court case as precedent. Um, there's gonna be a hierarchy of authority and some is gonna have a lot more authority than other sources that you can quote. And it's the same thing. And if somebody doesn't actually matter that much, you know, ask them in the first place. <laughs> okay, that uh, it just cut out for a bit, but we're back. Um, so if someone is definitely going to law school, maybe has some very specific things that they want um, to go to you for. How do you find Ivy Consulting? Oh, um, yeah, just come to our website, annaivy.com. That's spelled A-N-N-A, 
ivey.com and there's a contact form and you can reach us that way. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, you know, some of the usual suspects, but the most direct way to reach us is through our website. Amazing. And then to wrap up, because we are a student run podcast and more importantly, I guess, a pre-law student podcast, uh -huh. what advice do you have um, for people's finding your path as a lawyer after law school? Yeah, so the best advice I can give you is to make LinkedIn your friend. Interesting. Because I think if you have some idea in your head about, oh, you're interested in this kind of law or that kind of career, that's so abstract unless you're actually sort of in touch with people who are out there doing that for real, out in the real world. And so um, with LinkedIn, you have all these different ways you can search for people. You know, you can search for people who went to your college, go look for Northwestern alums, or go look for people who are practicing in the city you wanna practice in, or go find the people who are doing the kind of work you think you wanna be doing. Um, and what I have found is that, you know, not everyone will say, yes, I'll give you 15 minutes of my time, but a lot of people will. People are actually really generous with their time for those kinds of informational conversations. Just keep them short, you know, keep them to 15 or 20 minutes and then treat that person as someone who's now in your professional network, which means you're going to be polite. You're going to follow up, you know, you're going to have manners. Um, so that would be my advice because um, I think it's really important to go see people or, or I should say talk to people who are doing the kinds of things that you think you want to be doing because there might be actually a big gap between your concept of what you think you want and what it's actually like. That's a really great point and for all the Northwestern students listening um, we have a lot in our career center so we have where you can shadow a lawyer for a day our Women in Law Club has lawyers come in for female and non-binary students to um, hear from lawyers. And it's definitely been something that's helped me. So if you're listening, oh, check and, that. You know, North, as you know, Northwestern alums are a pretty hardcore tribe, right? Mm -hmm. So I think Northwestern students, I think will get a lot of mileage tracking down other Northwestern alums. Um, because that's one of the reasons you go to a school like Northwestern is you have these really dedicated alums who want to help you out however they can. So that's a plus for you guys. Definitely. And um, Trapa, thank you so much for speaking with us. If you're it's listening, check out the journal at theannualj.org um, or the annualj on Twitter. And you can find Ivy Consulting on Twitter through a newsletter on their website um, across all platforms. So All right, take care of yourselves.